this is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Uh, the most important, one of the most important things you can see when you deal in this topic with these people, you're not going to be doing any intellectual slumming, right? No, no, no. This is top drawer. This crowd right here, not just fighters. I mean, understand the problem or not, or not afraid of talking to you about it. We have to face a very unpleasant fact. People that have benefited most from the fetish of the post-war international rules-based order the ones that benefit the most, the elites in our country for the first time in American history, in fact, the only time in American history, have betrayed this country. They're traitors. Every one of the 400 that were in San Francisco, and what we say yesterday, not one standing ovation, but two standing ovations. To the murderous dictatorship of Xi and that gang of criminals in Beijing, the elites in our country, how did the post-war international rules-based order not just screwed the world, but screwed the American working man and woman? Twice, twice we betrayed our number one allies in the greatest conflict in, in human history, the Second World War. In the last years, of the conflict, we oversupplied, knowingly oversupplied Joseph Stalin. Oversupplied. And there was a big fight inside the government about doing this. Why did that happen? Because the State Department and the Roosevelt administration was infiltrated by Russian Soviet Bolsheviks. And we oversupplied them. Why? So they take an iron grip, not just on the Russian people, who would lose 65 million Russians in World War II but also Eastern Europe, and at the time, even Germany. At Yalta and Potsdam, think about it for a second. We had D-Day and everybody's D-Day, D-Day, and it's great, heroic, unbelievable. The British, the Canadians, and the Americans. Then Patton comes and get, breaks us out of, out of the hedgerows to, the, to, to Paris, which I think we we're in Paris on August 15th, in Market Garden, no matter how bad that was handled. We still got close to the Rhine. And we never went to Berlin, ever. Why? We were ordered to stop. Field Marshal Montgomery, ordered to stop. Patton, ordered to stop. To let the Red Army take Berlin. In China, after Lao Beijing loses 35 million people fighting the Imperial Japanese Army and really took the brunt of the best units, just like the Russians did with the Wehrmacht, took the best units and bled them out so that we didn't have more casualties in the Pacific as we came across. What did we do? In 1949, we gave the country to the communists. 
the communists who had gone out of their way not to fight the imperial Japanese during the war, but to fight the Kuomintang. And these weren't unconscious decisions. These were conscious decisions that were made by our State Department, our Defense Department, General Marshall, and all the hierarchy. And you said, how can that happen? Because we sold out the people that actually fought with us and died with us. There's another brutal fact. NATO, 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 NATO. None of the elites of Europe, except for a brave handful, fought in World War II on our side. In Scandinavia, the elites sold us out. Ireland, my country, sold us out. Spain, Italy, all of it sold us out. Only a handful of people. Poland, a handful of people in Eastern Europe, the resistance fighters in France and other places who were mainly communist, fought on our side and died on our side. The rest of it was performative. And now it's NATO, NATO, NATO. All this talk about how many, how many Russians were killing. Last time I looked, the American people are not at war with the Russian people. And 50 years later, in 1989, the Lao Beijing rise up. We have Deng Xiaoping and these guys pinned to the wall. And the moment the goddess of liberty, the goddess of democracy, is in Tiananmen Square, they drop the hammer. And what do we do? We back off and we send General Scowcroft to Bush 41, send Scowcroft and those to cut a deal to keep the Chinese Communist Party in power that we put in power 50 years before. You know why? We thought they'd be a more reliable business partner. Six months later, the Berlin Wall falls. And after total chaos and the essential stealing of assets from the Russian people by predators in the West, the KGB comes back. And so here we are today. And since, and since Tiananmen Square, the American people, the Chinese people, and the people of the world have been sold out sold out by a combination of Wall Street, big corporate interest, Silicon Valley, Hollywood, you name them all. And where everybody else, oh, these people are terrible, these people are terrible. We are looking at a more murderous dictatorship than the Nazis at the top of their game. He's forced, the forced abortions alone was a 450 million forced abortions, 80% are little Chinese girls. I don't want to hear feminists talk about this crap. 450 million forced abortions. 80% are little Chinese girls. And think of the psychological damage on the mothers. Because when the CCP says you're going to abort, you're going to abort. This is a murderous dictatorship. And look at these folks today. People are banned, the books are not printed, the articles are not written. People want to look the other way. You know why they want to look the other way? They're making a lot of money. 
uh, Henry Kissinger and Graham Allison, the Thucydides trap, you know, we're the declining power, they're the rising power. They ran this scam in the 70s. Gaffney and these guys know. When I was a young naval officer, you take the Naval War College course, it's the Peloponnesian War. I said, hey, I love history. Why am I taking this? Oh, it's Athens versus Sparta. This is Kissinger's theory. We're the declining power. They're the rising power. They, they got a stronger economy, a command economy, greater military. I go, what? I'm some grundoon on a ship in the Pacific. I go, what? When President Reagan came to power, the first thing he did was have Bill Casey and the guys at the, at the CIA, hey, maybe we do another analysis of, of how, how can these Soviet, how can the Bolsheviks be a stronger economy than the United States? I understand we got the Arab oil embargo, stagflation, all of it. Volker's going to help me clean that up. How do you do that? He did a study. Oops. We made a mistake. Oops. Oh, it seems like 20 years ago we made some assumptions. We just extrapolated off it. Uh, those numbers are kind of wrong. Well, how wrong? Reagan asked. Oh, the economy's only like one-sixth as big as we thought. They weren't an ascended power. They were a decaying, rotting power. And remember, the Russian people hated them just like in Eastern Europe. We talk about the captive nations. Remember, we used to all do the captive nations, right? The captain in Eastern Europe, the one captive nation we really never talked about is Russia. Russia. And today, they're trying to do the same thing. They're trying to drive us into war. Look at all these guys on MSMC. Well, we're killing 10 Russians every Ukrainian. Well, first off, we've killed 500,000 Ukrainians. Let me say it differently. The elites in this country, from Stavridis to MSNBC to all these great thinkers at the Atlantic Council, all of them, have murdered in cold blood 500,000 Ukrainians. Mersheimer told us exactly what was going to happen. The elites in the West, the party of Davos, the city of London, Wall Street, and the corrupt Biden regime, they're going to fight this war until the last Ukrainian dies. And right now, the mothers and fathers in Ukraine are sitting there and going, hey, hang on, you're not going to take my son. You're not going to take my son and take him to the Chernobyl house on the eastern front of the Russian-speaking territories in Ukraine and have him die in a frozen trench like it's 1914. That's not going to happen. That's not us saying that. That's the parents saying that. If we give $60 billion to this, we're just adding to the murder and slaughter of an entire generation of the Ukrainians. This is honored work and what you guys are doing here to pack this. We have one role and function to take down the greatest existential threat that has ever faced this country, and that's to take down the Chinese Communist Party. And we don't need to fire a shot. In fact, right now, as these experts can tell you, if we start firing shots, you may have 10,000 dead American sailors at the bottom of the Straits of Taiwan in the South China Sea. So we have to be smart. You cut them off from capital, you cut them off from technology, and as Frank Gaffney says in the indictment, we out every traitor. They're not collaborationists, they're traitors. They betrayed the American people, they betrayed the United States of America, and most importantly, they betrayed Lao Beijing. They betrayed hardworking Chinese that have been our allies since Japan, since the mid-1930s. History's gonna look back and guess what? These men and women and you are on the right side of history. 
and the collaborationists, and quite frankly, the Wall Street and Silicon Valley scum from Sequoia Capital to Goldman Sachs to the Treasury Department to the big corporations are all in business with them. They will be looked at as the same people that financed Hitler and financed Stalin. I want to thank you, folks, and thank you for your support. Next year, Beijing. <laughs>Okay, Tuesday, 27 February, Year of Alert 2024. That was a uh, talk I gave on, I think it was Friday. They had the breakout uh, panel of um, that was uh, Karen Siegman and the people from the American Freedom Alliance did a two-hour breakout session with the best of the best there. You had Bill Walton, you had Frank Gaffney, uh, Captain Fennell, Dr. Bradley Thayer, many, 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 uh, Reggie Littlejohn, many of the people you see here from the Committee on the Present Danger and as contributors to the war room. They're just amazing. Um, ben uh, Harnwell joins us. Ben, the reason I wanted, they had the breakout session, I gave some, I guess, the closing remarks, and I just want to put it in perspective, particularly given that, you know, tonight's the Michigan primary. People have to keep in mind something, something I talked about in the previous hour and earlier in the day. The, um, you know, the Michigan Democratic primary if it plays out like it looks like it might play out, the concentration of the Muslim vote around Dearborn that has been historically Democratic, if that uh, votes against Biden or looks like it's not going to vote for him, that's going to put a very new dynamic in American politics. People have to understand this. The um, It's going to give uh, the Muslims collectively, because that's how it looks like they're going to vote in Dearborn, uh, a uh, a seat, not not a seat maybe at the main table, we're going to have a seat at the table because they may be the swing factor in Michigan, which is absolutely essential for both sides to win. That is a one of the key swings. you got swing states. you got the battleground states of the top seven, the seven battleground states. That may be the top. That in Pennsylvania may be the two, you know, most uh, important for both sides to win. Also in this, you've had you know, Johnson at the White House today, the pressure coming on the Warren Posse, the pressure coming on um, the pressure coming on um, Johnson, and uh, quite frankly, the House Freedom Caucus and others have been standing in the breach here, Ben, against any more funding for Ukraine. And, and Ben, here's my question here. I want to put it in perspective exactly what, what's happening. What is really what's happened since World War II? Because I think there's been a real distortion of history. Because people in Washington, D.C. keep continuing to brag that, um, oh, we're killing 10 Russians for every Ukrainian. Well, I don't remember the American people being at war with the Russians, the Russian people who are allies in World War II. And we're part the Russian people were a captive nation, as we now know, uh, by the Bolsheviks, of which, remember, Jamie Raskin and all these people, Raskin and all the, all the biggest supporters of anti-Putin Ukraine war, the biggest cheerleaders – were the people that were against Ronald Reagan. They were p people against Ronald Reagan when he wanted to take down the evil empire. Now, why is that? Why could the people that w fought Reagan the hardest that were Americans and were the biggest cheerleaders for the Bolsheviks, for the Soviets, how could they flip and be like, want to go to war with them? Well, there's one big difference. The Bolsheviks were atheists. The Bolsheviks... Um, were uh, were uh, international commentant, you know, they were they were commentary, I guess it was called international communism. 
and uh, the KGB, as big a criminal set as they are, they certainly not. And the Russian people were enslaved by both. That's why I made that comment about Stalin. We oversupplied Stalin in the last couple of years of the war. A guy that kept bringing this up was a guy named Churchill that said, hey, you know, I see we're kind of doing sending arms to Russia. Yes, they're beating them back on the eastern front, but the momentum shifted. You know, most of the, I think, the top historians think that the the uh, Operation Barbarossa was basically over by December of 1941, right after Pearl Harbor was uh, was bombed. It went from June 20, 22 June to about December. It was essentially over then. It was all retreat. But we continue to arm Stalin. Ben, this whole thing of putting this on MAGA, of putting it, the problem with funding Ukraine, the problem with keeping democracies in the world uh, it's all on Speaker Johnson. It's all, and the bad guys are Gates, the War Room, uh, these people that are um, that want to say no more money. Why don't the Europeans? I mean, you worked in the European Parliament. Why don't the Europeans? It's not that it's sixty million bucks, sixty billion dollars. Europe collectively is is has a bigger economy than the United States. Why don't they just write a check if it's, if if everything's on the table? If it's all going to end tomorrow, if democracy is all going to end, why don't the people in Norway and Sweden and Switzerland and in the south of France, all these people have so much at stake because they're living the good life. Why don't they just collectively write a check? Not that big a deal. Give Zelensky some more money and make sure Zelensky's the tip of the spear of saving their democracy, sir. Steve, that seems like a precise question, but in fact, it's a historical question. It really sort of requires a historical response to it. And basically, I would say, um, because why would Europe do this? Because Europe, we are, I say we, I, I'm here presently on in mainland continental occupied Europe. Um, though obviously, philosophically, I'm very much of the Anglo-American tradition. Um, why? Because we Europeans um, are grifters. That, that, is, it, that is in the nature of, of, of cultural um, Europe. It's a great tragedy. It didn't need to, to be that way. Um, but after generations of abuse, of, of cultural and education abuse, the aspect here, the outlook of Europeans is simply just to grift off whom? Off the Americans. Um, and why I say that your precise question is, is really a historical question and requires a historical answer, because in answering that question, I cannot not refer to the role of the United States on the world stage. You are alone, Steve. America is alone. America has always been alone. It's been alone philosophically, ontologically, uh, politically, culturally. You are a country alone. And there's something unique about the American outlook and American characteristic right down for, uh, to the individual person, or perhaps only in the individual person right now, not represented in government at all. And that is your outlook, your, your can-do approach to life and your desire to do things for yourselves, um, that doesn't exist here in continental Europe, Steve. You don't have any allies in continental Europe, and you never really have them. Um, and the reason why Europe isn't stepping up to the plate is because that's not the purpose of, 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 Europe, of, of Europe's political system, to, to, to step up and provide um, for, for, the, for the needs and necessities of Europe. The purpose of the whole system of the European Union is to make ourselves a vassal state, one giant collective vassal state to the, to, um, to the American military industrial complex. And that's been the case for the last 70 years. It's, it's why the Americans pushed for the formation of the embryonic 
um, the European Union when it was still the, the, the European steel and coal community. This was this was the reason the Americans wanted a, a, a platform on 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 the on the Eurasian landmass, and it was going to be continental for obvious reasons. Um, and that's why we sold ourselves here in Europe to bondage to Europe, and that's why. You see, um, right now, there's no particular interest. Look, Steve, I close with this example. What has happened in the last 24 hours? Um, Sweden has, has now formally joined NATO. Um, Hungary, that happened when, when Hungary um, lifted its veto and, and signed its, its uh, Sweden's accession uh, papers. Within 24 hours, the United States taking over de facto responsibility via NATO for Sweden's defence vis-a-vis -vis Russia. What did, what, what's Sweden's first statement on the world stage? It's not going to be sending any troops to Ukraine. Right? That's not an accident of timing, Steve. This is in your face. Your job, America, is to pay for continental Europe so we can have generous social welfare provisions. I'd be very grateful um, that you're paying for our generous social welfare provisions, like your paying for those of the Ukrainians themselves. And we'd like you to carry on doing that. That's your historical role. That's our perspective. Um, and it's a little bit inconvenient, we must say here in continental Europe, that this MAGA phenomenon is starting to destabilise the situation because it has been convenient for us here in Europe as it has been convenient for your political class sucking at the teeth of your military-industrial complex. That is the dynamic, Steve. That is the question. And that is why we saw today the, the, the astonishing declaration, I think absolutely astonishing declaration from, from Sweden within 24 hours of it joining NATO. Talk to me about um, right now the fight here is between you know, shutting down our border and closing the border versus there's still – and I've never seen anything like it in all my years – all my years, 12, 14 years in politics, um, I've never seen anything. This was Obamacare. There, there's never been anything, anything that I have seen that has compared to the $60 billion to Ukraine. It's totemic, right? It's, 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 it is something like spiritual for them. Um, and they will do anything. They're talking about now discharge petitions, which are virtually impossible to pull off. And they're talking about that is and they're planning for it and spending hours and hours in meetings trying to do it. Um, why is that, Ben, when there's a solution for this, if it's just, you know, if the 60 billion is so important and they must have it today and understand they've got a huge dogfight over here, uh, of which I believe they won't get any. But even if they were to try to get some, it's going to be months and months and months because this thing's going to be dragged out and there's going to be zero next year. It's just going to be in, in, insanely nasty. Why won't the Europeans just bond together? If this is all true and we hear nonstop it's true from all of them, why they just bond together and say, hey, we finally got to step up here. We're going to have to write the $60 billion check. Well, just to, just to answer perhaps the second part first and then come wheel in and, and respond to the first part, something else has happened in the last 24 hours, which is that President Macron has floated the possibility of, of a NATO presence in Ukraine. Uh, that was, you know, the Europeans are slow at everything. They're slow at getting out of bed. They're slow at having a drink of coffee. Straight away, two declarations came out within within like an hour. One from uh, German Chancellor um, Olaf Scholz, who said this isn't going to be happening. And that was like a, a rare, I think, a rare slapping down, a rare split, if you will, 
uh, within the, the European NATO members. So Germany came out and said, that's not going to happen. There won't be a NATO presence um, in Ukraine. And that was repeated by Jens Stoltenberg, the Secretary General of, of NATO. Um, so it, it is there, there is no European appetite to, 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 to take the slack that is being left from um, the, the United States withdrawal, slow withdrawal from, from Ukraine. Um, because we have our social welfare, we, you know, Germany's heading into recession. Um, and that's the European Union's largest economy by far. Uh, there's simply no money. The difference between, I think, our, uh, our European um, sociopathic overlords and the American sociopathic overlords is that there is still a sense, certainly in Germany as well, where they're not so crazy, there's still a, a sense that you can only spend one euro once. You can't sort of spend it on X and then spend it again on Y and spend it on Z because the word no doesn't exist. They sort of have an idea that, you know, they're quite good at balancing their budget. That's totally absent um, in America. It's like spending because, um, like, it's going out, out of fashion. There are reasons for that. Um, but the, the, the European sort of concept is still broadly to, to keep things in order. And there's no money for Europe to, to take the slack. As I say, um, why is the United States so desperate to, to stump up this sixty uh, billion dollars? Why is it totemic? I think it, because it represents it, it is, and it is totemic. In fact, if you look at it through the right lens, what does it represent? It represents your political class um, having its fingers prized off the levers of government. The, the, the response of the Union Party, basically, to the American people is, how dare you? How dare you tell us what we're going to do with your money? Right? We, we, we've said, we've decreed, we've decided we're going to send the $60 billion to Ukraine. Uh, it's not going to make any difference. It's not a huge amount of money, considering the, the, the amount of money America's burning through, adding to its national debt every day. But it's totemic for this reason, because this, if, if you, if you MAGA, if you Warren Posse, if you succeed in blocking this money, the, the illusion is over. It's like uh, Prospero in Shakespeare's exactly. Tempest having his staff broken. It's totemic. Their, their illusion of their absolute power will be over. That's why they're clinging on this to is, I would suggest, to the very last moment. This is... This is why it takes people in an international bureau to be able to see the totality of it. This is exactly Ben Harnell once again nails it. Ben, hang on. I'm going to hold you through the break. Um, Birch Gold. It's now time for you to go talk to Philip Patrick and the team. You can go to Birch Gold, the end of the dollar empire, or their site, or the newsletters they send out. Get all you know up to date on everything that's happening with the dollar empire. Everything's happening with the uh, dollar as the prime reserve currency was called. But you need to, I think, now talk to, uh, talk to um, Philip and his team about why gold has been a hedge against difficult times, about times of turbulence. Birchgold.com slash Bannon. Find out why the central banks of the world are buying gold at record rates for themselves while the Federal Reserve works on a central bank digital currency. Birchgold.com slash Bannon. Go there today and immerse yourself in information. Back in a moment. As we head toward a presidential election in November, one thing you can be sure of, 2024 will be a tumultuous year like no other. How will your hard-earned savings fare during this year? You're already seeing the impacts of inflation at the pump, the grocery store, 
The dollar continues to lose buying power quicker than your wages can increase. How are you protecting your savings? Consider diversifying with gold from Birch Gold Group. For decades, gold has been the choice of investors and central banks to hedge against inflation. Now you can own it in a tax-sheltered IRA with the help of Birch Gold. Just text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898, and Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on gold. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't have to pay a penny out of pocket. With an A-plus rating, with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of satisfied customers, you can trust Birch Gold. Text Bannon to 989898 to claim your free info kit. That's Bannon to 989898. And secure your savings now. Take action. Text Bannon at 989898. Action. 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 I want to warn you of a huge change that could be coming to our money and our bank accounts. First, think back to 9-11, shortly after the government pushed through the Patriot Act. This gave the government power to spy on innocent Americans by monitoring our phone and email and tracking our movement across the Internet. Now, Jim Rickards, editor of the independent financial newsletter Strategic Intelligence and New York Times bestselling author, is warning about a coming event that could elevate this governmental surveillance to a terrifying new level. In fact, some of the guests I've had on The War Room believe that the government will soon expand their powers to track our every move. If we say the wrong things on social media, donate to the wrong causes, buy firearms, or even vote MAGA, the government may be able to shut us out of our bank accounts. I can't say for sure if this will happen, but it's an interesting in dire warning. Fortunately, Jim Rickards, an American patriot and friend of mine, has made it his mission to educate us on what he believes is coming and how to protect yourself from the possibility of programmable money. Watch Jim's warning video now before it's censored like I've been in the past. Go to RickardsWarRoom.com. That's RickardsWarRoom.com now to see the video. Who can you trust? Government leaders repeatedly fail us. Self-appointed experts have led us astray. Distrust in so-called authorities is spreading like a bad cold. We can't quite shake it. But you are not as powerless as they'd like you to believe. When there's no one to depend on, it's time to rely and depend on yourself. Not sure where to start? Well, try this. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. Grab a four-week emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply for just 60 bucks off. Think about that. $60 off right now. My Patriot Supply has helped millions of American families reach self-reliance. I want you to think about that. Reach self-reliance. These food kits offer meals, drinks, and snacks that provide over 2,000 calories every single day. Sealed inside heavy-duty packaging that lasts up to 25 years in storage. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and protect your future with as many kits as you need. These kits ship fast, free, and arrive in unmarked boxes. With My Patriot Supply, when you order by 3 p.m., your food kits will ship the same day. Save $60 per kit. That is $60 per kit at MyPatriotSupply.com. Take action. Use your agency. Action, action, action. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon.
Okay, welcome back. We're going to go back to Harnwell. I've got some other stuff to get through, too. It's the Michigan primary tonight. Uh, I want to talk about the uh, the Muslim. The Muslim vote could have a very big impact tonight in Michigan, and I think a center of politics in, in a very different direction. I want to get to that in London and what's happening there uh, in a moment. But, Ben, go back and just hit. Give me a minute of what you said uh, before we went to break. Uh, well, on the reason why I think it's totemic, this 60 billion, why uh, why is, why the political class, the U.S. political class, is is fighting like it's never fought for anything more that they should go through. It's because if they lose, it's not a, a vote that one party loses against another. It's that both parties combined have lost against the American people. And the illusion is therefore broken, Steve. The, the, the illusion that, the, that, that Congress... It has a will, like a, like a, like medieval like medieval kings that they, they, they decree. Um, so let it be. What was that film from this expression from the Yul, the Yul Brynner film? So let it be written. So let it be done. That's their that's their um, that's their attitude. If the American people have the resilience um, and the unity to to say no definitively to to their to their government to their established to, uh, representatives. Then the illusion that Congress is it has like a divine power uh, in human form that's gone, that's finished. And when that when that illusion breaks, Steve, all possibilities then come into play. And of course, what are we talking about? We're talking about the the revolution in waiting that is being prepared. Um, that, that will kick off uh, from January. Not we say we say conversation from November, but from inauguration in January um, 2025 onwards, a whole number of things then come into play uh, with, with the, the, the forthcoming Trump administration. That's why they're so desperate, Steve. You think, it, you, it's, you, it's not, you, you think because this breaks the illusion and then we break, and that's part of their power is they've got this illusion of ultimate power because they've already decreed it, this was coming. This is humiliating for them to have to beg MAGA and have to cajole MAGA to come across to this, correct? Well, you know, it, it part, you, you frame it uh, as if it's part of their illusion uh, of, um, of omnipotence, um, of, um, of, of, of absolute power. Their, their illusion is, is part of their power. I'd say it's pretty much the whole of the shtick, because it's not in the Constitution, right? It's not in the American tradition. The reason that they, that, that they have this sort of overwhelming steamroller-like ability to push through whatever they want is because they've never really been confronted uh, by the American people as they are being uh, over this uh, 60 billion. It is totemic. It is absolutely totemic, and for good reason. It's an excellent illustration of who really holds the power in contemporary America. Is it the political class or is it the people? Um. One thing we're trying to do here is not just give you access to people when um, about uh, preparation and you have to be self-reliant, but also the alternative economy to make sure that people, you know, whether it's Mike Lindell at my pillow, the birch gold that stop giving your money to people that hate you. This is one of the reasons I'm so um, proud to have a Patriot Mobile as a as a sponsor, Glenn Story and the team. So go to PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon to get your free initiation you get your free hookup uh with uh by using the promo code bannon free installation this is a um 
a mobile service company that layers on top of the others. You're going to get premier service, but it's a Christian company that that uh, works towards a Christian values. It's predicated upon Christian values. It gives X amount, I think 10% of their operating profit to uh, to um, to charities and to organizations like Second Amendment, First uh, Responders, all of it. Glenn Story and the team have been everywhere, particularly in the state of Texas, where they're a very big force down there. So patriotmobile.com slash Bannon. That's where he, how you get the, the free uh, connection. Also, we've told you a long time about the supply chains. This is why Jace Medical is so important. Dr. Sean and the team took Rosemary Gibson's book, actually made a business of it because the Chinese Communist Party control the supply chains. I kind of gave you that warning in the in the speech or the talk I gave at CPAC that opened the show. Make sure you go to Jace Medical. Don't be caught short when the balloon goes up with the Chinese Communist Party because they will lock down they will lock down an unrestricted warfare. All access to active pharmaceutical ingredients because guess what? They control 100% of it. JaceMedical.com. Go today to the website. Immerse yourself in information. Ben, something very historic had happened tonight. That the the Muslim community here in the United States, particularly around Dearborn, Michigan, which is which is um, quite large and has been an instrumental part of the Democratic Party, they are really up in arms on this situation in Gaza. And they've told Biden, warned Biden, hey, you're, 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 you're way too much backing the Israelis. You're way too much backing the Jewish community. And we're going to prove our muscle and not vote for it. In England, you have a similar but even more, I think, alarming situation. A member of parliament was kind of sacked this week or, or put on the bench, wasn't he? I think he's a backbencher anyway. But he was put because he raised the question that Sadiq Khan, the mayor of London, was actually controlled by Islamists, and he couldn't even say that, and, and people went crazy. The, the, the change, and this is why the Tories may go down in flames, not just because they didn't implement Brexit, but they become really a kind of a, a, a soft Labour Party. But Nigel Farage, and I keep saying he could be the next prime minister after Keir, after Labour crashes and burns on a financial crisis. Uh, but, you know, he's talked and people have talked about and warned about uh, in fact, Nigel said you're going to see the beginning of a radical Islamic party, and maybe George Galloway wins this by-election. I think Liz Truss told us that, and you saw how she got lit up. The British press for one whole day after we did that interview with her, which I thought was pretty benign, went absolutely crazy. You've seen it from your own beloved England. You're seeing it now in in continental Europe where Macron talks about sending troops, French troops to Ukraine, when he's on the verge of a, potentially a civil war in France, and that's not Steve Bannon saying that, that's retired French top uniformed generals. Uh, what is to be expected? And I keep telling the Jewish community I know, I said, you guys are asleep at the switcher. You're not paying attention to really what's going on in America. A lot of the progressive Jewish community com- c- continues to trash MAGA, the deplorables, the Trump movement, uh, and they don't realize, realize that the wolf may be at the door, sir. Well, just... Um Taking your last point and then working backwards, I think that's probably because a lot of liberal Jews, a lot of our liberal Jewish friends seem to be animated by a degree of self-loathing. Um, and that sort of spreads outwards and reflects uh, very tragically their, their wider um, political positions because they, are, they have been endorsing uh, a position that's certainly on the, on the immigration front um, 
both in the United States, more principally here in continental Europe, they've been endorsing an immigration position that is to the absolute detriment of their own community. Um, in fact, if you want to look at the desecration of the Jewish um, graveyards, we, um, it's, it's not far-right skinhead Nazis who are breaking in and spraying swastikas on, on, on the Jewish tombstones. No? It's, uh, it's people coming in from the religion of peace doing that, Steve. Um, and yet, because of the nature of the debate, um, which is really changing now, I think in real time it's changing now, these issues haven't been confronted. Well, Lee Anderson, um, the, uh, who was, up until I think last week, vice uh, deputy um, chairman of the Tory party, was suspended from the Tory party uh, because he said, as you pointed out, that Sadiq Khan um, is under the control of the Islamists. He also actually said Keir Starmer too, but there was no way in the same sentence, in the, in the same phrase, but that sort of got conveniently dropped out because they wanted to turn it into a, an Islamophobia thing. Um, and then by Isla Islamophobia in, in, into a racist thing. Um, Lee Anderson's a very popular member of the Tory party. Um, and right now, he's, uh, since he has been suspended, he's still, he's still a member of parliament, but he's just simply had, had the whip withdrawn. Um, so he's, he's, um, he's been suspended from the Tory party. And the, the present position as of today is that he's, he's not ruling out defecting to Reform UK, which is Nigel Farage's party. Um, and of course, if he does that whilst he's in parliament, then that will immediately give Reform... Uh, parliamentary representation. Things are changing very you know, on a day-by-day-by-day -day basis in, in the UK, Steve. Um, really, there's a civil war that's brewing, an ideological, philosophical civil war that's brewing. Most people, most commentators, most analysts expect this to take place after the next general election. They're expecting a meltdown for the Tory party in the next general election, um, uh, projected to, to the end of this year. Um, and they're expecting this fight to take place, the philosophical soul of the Tory party to take place after the general election. Exactly, it's almost exactly as what happened in, in 1997 when John Major was thrown out in, in the landslide election, Tony Blair came in. And the Tory party spent sort of five or so years in opposition trying to work out its role um, in the world. Now, the thing is, what we're seeing now is that this civil war, Steve, is starting to break out now, right, before the election takes place, which just illustrates the absolute, absolute degree of fear and panic that is presently in the Tory party right now, um, that the sense of discipline is just is just breaking. Now, like if you can imagine troops under fire um, on the front line, you know, if they're a well-disciplined, well-formed uh, brigade, they'll hold their positions. But once the panic sets in, then they're all going to scatter. And that's what you see happening in the Tory party right now. The reason I think this degree of panic um, is starting is because of the presence of reform, which could lead, though we covered this, I think, um, uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, um, it could lead to what uh, some elements in the press, and I quote, are calling an extinction level, an extinction level events for, for the Tory party in the next general election. And part of this, Steve, part of this um, civil war is to do with the uh, the state of immigration in the country, the presence of uh, and political power of Islam, and these questions. You know, everyone had speculated, as I say, that these would take place after the next general election. Uh, things are are, uh, are melting down so fast. Uh, we're having this debate now, and funnily enough, Steve, the re you know, 
the ruling posse will be drawing the dots here. Uh, some of this debate is, is in, down entirely due to you um, and, and the forces you set in motion uh, when you interviewed Liz Truss at CPAC. So, as one Brit here on the one, we're very let's grateful. Talk, let's, let's, uh, let, let, let's, talk, let's, let, let's talk about that because uh, they, they, the meltdown's been pretty amazing. Um, I thought it was a pretty benign interview. Um, it's certainly not the typical interview we do in the war room where we're, you know, we're up on people, but the, uh, or we're trying to extract as much information as possible. I thought she was very good, but I mean, these are a couple of very basic questions and her agreeing with some of the things we were talking about had them even, even just coming on the show itself is enough to melt people down. But I, this is why it's important. Remember, Brexit set the predicate for the Trump revolt in November of 2016. They're inextricably linked. Here we have the European parliamentary elections coming up, and the number one issue is immigration. The number one issue here is immigration. This is because of an invasion planned and executed by your betters, by the sociopathic overlords on the continent and here, uh, to, uh, to basically, and I've never been a big believer in the replacement theory, but certainly uh, here to both crush, crush wages and, uh, and, to, and to be bigger uh, consumer markets for consumer products, houses, all of it. In Europe, it may be even a little darker about why they're doing it, but it's still the biggest issue. The question is, why, why was the Liz Truss interview? You're, you, know, you're, you know Parliament. You know the European Parliament. You know all the politics are going in London. Why was that interview... So it hit it hit the British political system like a shock. And as you know, Ben, it's it's one one hundredth of what you and I talk about every time you're on the show, sir. Uh, well, you know, I have to give some credit to Liz Truss as well here, who wasn't brilliant. She wasn't outstanding in her brief period as, as prime minister. She made a lot of mistakes. Um the fact that she was willing to come to CPAC, the fact that she was willing to come here to the home of MAGA on, on, on War Room and, and explore in very light terms, I think, um, showed particular courage on her part. Why? Because it's difficult for me to explain this to an American audience, just how strong the, the liberal progressive group think is in, in the UK now. Um, there are huge swathes of conversation that, not, not say you don't have them in public, you don't have them in private, you don't even have them to yourself in your interior um, dialogue. Uh, huge areas of conversation which, which now are conceptually off ground. And that is because of the pressure that, that, that comes right across uh, the, the British social stratum. And here's how it all ties together. The reason I think we're having this conversa these conversations now, that would have been literally literally unthinkable when I worked in, in the House of Commons 25 years ago. Um, it comes down to Brexit. Now, you mentioned it, Brexit. Brexit was for the UK, right? It's exactly what we're just talking about, the 60, 60 billion um, in the United States. It was totemic. It's, it's, and the British political class, and indeed perhaps British society itself, is still shell-shocked, Steve, from this result, because no one really... I mean, I, I mean, I voted Brexit, obviously. I could see you were there. You, you, you could see it's happening. But, cult, but collectively, the, the, the idea that a nation would take its political destiny back in its own hands. So thank you very much 
to its political class, but we're going to make these, we're going to, we're going to become protagonists in our own destiny once again. This was just like, it's like, it was a Spartacus moment. Um, and our political uh, class is still punch drunk from that. And they're terrified. They're absolutely terrified that of, of what, I, what we were saying just a moment or so ago about the, the 60 billion, of what it might herald for the future, which is their loss of control over the debate, over what we think, what we say, how we live. Um, their ideas that they believe, see, that they can still put this genie back in the bottle. Um, and I think the... the the um the third rail, which is in in UK political discourse, which is the the immigration subject, is now being discussed because our political establishment can no longer control the debate. And when you have a former prime minister, she's only prime minister, I think, for less than a month. But when you have a former prime minister at CPAC talking to Steve Bannon on the war room, lightly acknowledging that these issues even exist. Um, it's an indication to the political class uh, that they're not going to put that genie back in the bottle, which is why they're doing what, what, exactly what you'd expect them to do, which is they're calling for her to be suspended. The Labour Party is calling for Liz Truss to be suspended from the Tory party over this, which is just ridiculous. But I think it just illustrates the degree of panic now that our sociopathic overlords have when they, uh, when they can see people willingly and able to take their, their, their future into their own hands once again. We only got about a minute, but just give me 60 seconds on, on your quick view of the farmers. The farmer revolt, it's been European-wide now, from Greece all the way up to Denmark. What, what is your sense? Is this real? Are they all fighting for something different, or can this be unified to join with the populist nationalist right to really have a blowout, overwhelming victory in June, sir? Steve, the, 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 the reason why this farmers issue is not going away is because of June, between June the 6th and June the 9th, the European elections. That is why this is staying front and centre on, uh, on, on the news cycle here in Europe. Right now, the situation is stable. It's not uh, getting any stronger. It's not getting any, any worse. Every day, there are protests. There are 900 or so tractors sort of through the centre of, of, of Brussels, the, the, the administrative capital of the European Union um, over the last couple of days. Um, I have more to say on this farmers thing, Steve. Perhaps I can come back um, tomorrow. There, there is something really important going Perfect. on this, in this debate, which ties in to the American situation. I only, my 60 seconds is gone, but it's a good point that I want to make. I will, I'll come back to it. Okay. Uh, how do people get to you and your social media? Ben, you're always putting up great pieces. Where do they go? Thanks so much, Steve. My social media platform of choice is Getter. It's a fantastic platform. I encourage everyone who's not already on there to get there. And you'll simply find me under my surname, at Harnwell on Getter. Thanks so much, Steve. God bless. Thank you. Uh, Lou Dobbs follows us next. Of course, tonight is the uh, is the Michigan primary. We want to make sure that uh, everybody is uh, is on top of this. It could be, the, the I believe, to focus on is the, the Muslim situation, uh, Muslim Americans in this vote around Dearborn about if it, is it going to be a protest vote or not. This is all directly tied to uh, Gaza and to the uh, war against the Muslim Brotherhood, Hamas, in Gaza. So it's going to be very fascinating to, uh, to watch. As we said, uh, this had a massive impact in British politics over the last 20 years and really is only picking up momentum. So I think it's very important. Birchgold.com. Find out, go there uh, to the site, ask for Philip Patrick, get his team, they'll talk to you. 
Birchgold.com slash Bannon. Don't just get into the dollar empire, but talk to the experts about gold as a hedge for over 5,000 years of human history. It's been a hedge against times of turbulence. And folks, I can guarantee you between now and Election Day and beyond, it's going to be quite turbulent. One of the most turbulent times in American history, uh, definitely modern American history. So go check it out today. Birchgold.com slash um, Bannon. Patriot Mobile, those great Patriots, Glenn Stern theme, patriotmobile.com slash Bannon. Get all the information about a uh, phone service of people that have Christian values that, that do not hate you for your values. Patriots all, Patriot Mobile, Glenn Story and the team over there. Lou Dobbs is next. We're back at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. Show will be on fire. That I can guarantee you. See you tomorrow morning, 10 in the world. For War Room veterans, you know we have been all over this supply chain issue with China and medications and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in stream short supply across the United States. But you know that. Because you're a viewer or listener of this show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit JaceMedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, JaceMedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case. Go to Jace Medical, that's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. Dot com, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code warroom at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. Warroomhealth, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.